Each week, Invest Talk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for winning investment research. And the answer is Y Charts. Quality data with easy to use tools. You can start your free trial today. And if you purchase during the month of June, you'll get 14 months of Y Charts for the price of 12, plus a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribe now go.ycharts.com slash investtalk. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, June 11, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me again today. And, of course, I hope you'll call me as well, uh, asking any any investing questions you want, anything about money, financing, anything to do with stocks and bonds, I'll be happy to talk about. And when and if you make the call, that is when you take charge, because your questions drive the show. They determine the shape of the show. So it's always to your advantage, too. Remember, our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve that financial freedom goal we all want. It's that simple. And we want to share. We will share all our knowledge. Justin and I will share all our knowledge. It might be limited, but we're going to share it. And we've been doing this for 20 years plus, something like that. So please give us a call. Ask any financial questions you want. Now today in this hour, I'm going to do my best, of course, to answer every financial question. But there are areas where I'm weak and I'll tell you so. So don't think I'm going to try to just bowl my way through. I'll tell you if I, I don't know something. Because it's obvious when someone doesn't know something. And I don't want to pretend that I do. So I'll, I have computers in front of me with lots of software that helps me make any determination quickly. But other than that, you know, I'll do my best. So you drive the show. The line is now open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. That's our number. And our main talking point today concerns this story. When the herds get spooked, get spooked, this is what a stock market crash could look like. Now, it's one opinion that claims confidence in the absolute efficiency or efficiency of the Fed intervention, meaning, you know, everybody believes that the Fed's going to intervene and they're going to do it right and they're going to do it when we need it. Well, that breeds complacency because everybody believes that. And we've seen the evidence of that here in recent weeks. Now, that's the, that's a, that's the essential backdrop of the stock market crash, where everybody is complacent and believes. So, we're going to examine this theory. Is this, is this, is this where we are right now? And we'll talk about that in detail. I'm also going to talk about some other things. Consumer credit spiked. I don't think we talked about that last week. Uh, it spiked in April, so we're going to discuss that. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, we've talked about housing in different various ways. You know what the flipping rate is where people, house flippers, you know, they buy it, fix it up, and sell it? That's called the flipping rate. And that kind of goes to the, uh, the health of a housing market. I'd like to talk about that a little bit today. And value stocks are trading at their steepest discount ever, according to J.P. Morgan. 
value stocks trading at their steepest discount to growth stocks ever. Never seen this before, this much. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And of course, you drive the show, so we're going to talk about whatever's on your mind. The market was down today, even though it was up most of the day and just kept getting weaker and weaker. Then it came back a little bit, then got weaker and weaker. And it ended up being down. Not a lot. Remember, this is after four or five up days. The Dow was down 14 points. The Nasdaq down one. The S&P down one. So that's after a pretty strong bounce from a very weak May. Okay, but we're nowhere near the highs of, of just before the fall in May. Now, remember, that was that's lower than it was last September. So we got right close to the high of last September, which was the ultimate high in the market. Then it crashed in December, as you know, or fell starting in September, October, November, and then really fell hard in December. Then it made, uh, over the next three or four months, January, February, March, April, and even up to May 1st, it tried to make a comeback and got close to its old high. Then all May just fell off. And now in the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven or eight trading days in June, it's tried to make a comeback here. But not quite making the high it made in May 1st. Hmm. So this is kind of important. Remember, uh, we talked about this in my in the class in Vest Talk Academy and the pattern that's being set up. And it could be, if we can break our old high here at the beginning of May, that could mean we have a new leg up in the market. It's going to rise. But I don't think we're there yet. Can't make that determination. So, we'll see. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. But, of course, I want to hear what you want to talk about. So, let's go ahead and go to Joe, who lives in New York. How you doing, Joe? Hey, how you doing, Steve? Big fan of the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for calling. I appreciate that. So I had a question about a stock, uh, Trusco Bank, uh, PRSC. Okay. You want to buy it or do you already uh, own it? I already own it. I've had it for a while for the dividend. I was just wondering if you let me know what you thought about the financials of it long term. Okay. Uh, Trusco Bank Corporation out of New York. Uh, it ho- it's a holding company for Trusco Bank operating through 148 offices in 32 uh, counties in New York, Florida, Vermont, Massachusetts, and New Jersey. It's a small cap company, $731 million in size. So it's really small. Uh, and so the numbers are pretty solid. It has made money and consistently grows their income. I mean, every year for the last 10 years or so. So it's very consistent. Sales are growing between five and eight percent per quarter, every quarter. I mean that very consistent. Pays a three point six percent dividend, and it's a seven dollars and fifty five cents stock. Going to make sixty four cents, so it can maintain that dividend fairly easy. Um, it's a pretty darn solid bank, uh, Joe. So I think your I think your dividend is pretty much protected. I don't see that being a problem. Uh, and it's a good, good long-term hold bank, even though it's small, and probably the chances of it getting bought up by somebody are pretty high, because it, you know, it's 731 million. A lot of other banks could buy that without even thinking about it. It's spare change to them, the bigger banks. 
But it's a good, solid bank. Financially, it's a really solid bank. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. TRST is the symbol. Trust Coal Bank Corporation of New York. Uh, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I want you to uh, be aware of a very uh, special upcoming financial event in Southern California. And I'm talking about our Invest Talk Wealth Conference. It is set for Saturday, June 22nd, and in Irvine. That is less than two weeks from today. At our Wealth Conference, Justin Klein and I will help you understand the current volatile market. Uh, we will give you a plan to boost income and manage your investment risk. And finally, we'll define ways for you to find opportunities, great opportunities still in the marketplace. So please make your plans for June 22nd, 9 to 11 a.m. in Irvine. To learn more and purchase tickets, go to investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. Can you believe it? We are fast moving through June and the second quarter of 2019. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Of course, President Trump is at it again. He come out swinging at the Fed. He doesn't you remember back in December he talked about the Fed needs to lower rates or stop increasing rates and lowering rates. And a few and a month or two ago he mentioned it again. And today Trump repeatedly gone, you know, repeated his 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 tweet storm against the Fed, criticizing the Fed, the Federal Reserve. Uh, he says that uh, the U.S. is at a disadvantage compared to other major currencies like the euro because the other central banks keep interest rates lower than ours. And they are. They're at zero, basically. And when they compare it with ours, the Federal Reserve rate is pretty high compared to them. Now, in absolute terms, the Federal Reserve rate is low, but not compared to other major currencies. So that puts us at a disadvantage. And to, his, to that extent, he is correct. Okay, but that doesn't take into consideration everything. The euro and other currencies are devalued against the dollar. So that puts pressure on our dollar going up. That means we're at a disadvantage when it comes to trade, which is true. That is all true. Um, um, he, he, he goes a little bit further than he probably should because he said the Federal Reserve doesn't have a clue. Well, of course they have a clue. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the Federal Reserve either, but... They're smart people there. They're just wrong a lot. Trump also said in a separate tweet that U.S. has low inflation, calling it a beautiful thing. Yeah, we have very low inflation. That's true, too. Market expectations for lower rates have increased recently. And after the release of weakening economic data, the Labor Department jobs report, remember last Friday, it was only 75,000 for May kind of pointing to a slower economy, not a shrinking economy. We're not talking about recession. We're talking a slower growth. So, you know, that's all very true. Okay, all very true. So, also, uh, members of the baby boom, that's me, my generation, we're getting blamed for the dwindling funds of our Social Security system. Well, we have about 10,000 of us retiring every day. In other words, we're reaching 65 years old, 
okay? Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but it seems like there's a lot of false false accusations that the baby boomer generation is putting undue pressure on Social Security funds because there's so many of us. When in actuality, yes, there is. There, there is a lot of us. And yes, you have to pay beneficiary. You have to pay. But, you know, remember when Social Security first started? Then they were paying out money and there was no one paid into the system at all at the very beginning. Right? I mean, these people got money for never putting money in. I would, I, I would be, I'm a part of the baby boomer, baby boomer generation. Why don't you just give me back my money? How about just giving me all my money I gave you and I'll manage it? I do a lot better than the government. I doubt if I'll get all my money back. So it's not necessary. Look at all those baby boomers, how much money. And of course, government has been raiding the Social Security funds for years and years and years. That hasn't helped. And now they're saying to fix it, they got to increase Social Security taxes. You know how many times they've increased Social Security taxes since it first went in? They've increased it all the time. So what is it, like 12 13% an employee has to pay and then the employer has to match that, 12 13%? Whatever that number is, I think that's, that's what the number is. I'm not, I'm not that attuned to it, but I know it's been going up and up and up for years and years and years. And now they've cut, you know, how they have to do... In actuality, it was designed for people to be dead before they start collecting them. Because the average, that length of life was in the 60s when it first put in. Early 60s. And you didn't collect till 65. Now, it's what? 78 years old? And they barely trade change the, the, the time you collect it? So, in actuality... So security, if you wanted to be, you know, fully functional and funded, you should have kept it in relative relative age that you did back in 1939 to today. So you wouldn't be collecting until you're in your 70s. See, that's really what they should have done. They should have tagged it to, you know, the, the mortality tables. But they didn't. Because it's government. They didn't think about it. They didn't think far ahead. They don't think far ahead. They think of the next year. Maybe. Maybe. Anyways, I'm, you can't blame. Don't blame the people who are collecting benefits. Blame government for being stupid about how they set it up in the first place. <laughs> it's that simple. Anyways. Of course, you know, there's, you know, there's going to be a tough time ahead. You know, uh, have you seen Chico's numbers? Tough times for them. Chico's a barrel company. You'll see. Tough time. You're listening to Invest Talk, and we want to help you reach your financial freedom goals. So please feel free and contact me. Give me a call. Or call us at the office at KPP Financial in Irvine. We'll be, Justin and I will be happy to talk to you. I'm taking your financial investment questions live at 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to Nick and Hayward. How you want, How you doing, Nick? Yeah, fine, fine. How are you, sir? I am good. Thank you for the Thank call. Thank you for taking my call. 
Yeah. Hello. Investing. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Someone was dialing numbers. I didn't hear you. Someone's hitting numbers. Hello. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I think you're hitting your you numbers. You're talking about yeah. Value investing. How do you tell it's a value stock? Okay. Okay, that's it's really that's a very good question and one of the classes we put on was telling you how to do that. But it's not really that difficult. <clears throat> value stocks generally sell at a discounted PE ratio. In other words, usually their PE is low compared to the market, okay? And even value stocks even compared to their own industry is low. Uh, versus growth stocks. Growth stocks is focused on sales growth and earnings growth. Now, value stocks can have growth of sales and earnings, but they always sell at a discount to their multiples, PE, price to sales, price to book. Generally, value stocks are bigger companies. Growth stocks are small companies growing very fast. Okay, um, so there's generally, you can kind of tell uh, a, a value versus PE, uh, a value versus growth. Okay, um, so look at the multiples. When I when you see a PE ratio under ten, you can almost put it in your head that's probably a value stock. If you see if you see a market cap over five or ten billion dollars with low PE multiples and paying a dividend, that's ten, they tend to be the value stocks. You don't see a lot of growth. You might see single digit. Matter of fact, I'm a value plus growth investor. I'd like to see some growth, but I like value over growth. Now, growth has been in favor for a number of years now. But over long periods of time, value generally outperforms growth. But growth has been in favor like it was in the late 1990s until the dot-com implosion. That was a period of high growth. Uh, sales growth, but not profit growth, which is interesting. So, um, value just this last week was up 4% versus growth up only 2.6%. So, we saw value stocks outperform. And this is according to JP Morgan. They've been put, they put out these statistics. Now, Ford P on the S&P uh, 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 value is like seven times price to book and nine times P.E. ratio. So, uh, values are very, very cheap compared to growth right now. Good question, though. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Okay? This is Vest Talk, and we're ready to... We're already into the, you know, the second... Oh, gosh. You guys. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's go to the main talking point. Um but that was about herds, okay? When we talk about herds and investing, we're talking about everybody doing the same thing, the herd mentality, okay? So when everybody thinks and acts the same or expects the same, that's the herd mentality we're talking about. And in this case, there was a guy named Charles Smith who was writing and says that he can't... He, his opinions were where we are in a herd mentality. And he feels that, you know, when everybody is really complacent about the Fed going to come in and save us. In this particular article, he's saying that the Fed, everybody believes that the Fed is going to be, is going to be, have our back. We don't have to worry about it. So that's what he's, his whole points are. Markets usually climb a wall of worry. 
And 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 when they do call a wall, crawl a wall or crawl up, uh, everybody starts to get complacent whenever there's dips and people are buying on the dips because they feel that the Federal Reserve will come in and lower the rate and save us, save the market. And that thinking is is really the problem you have because the more and more of people believe that, the more likely that we're going to have a crash. So when you read or see everybody not being too worried about the market because the Federal Reserve is going to lower rates and, you know, the market keeps bouncing uh, up on, on uh, 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 when we have some corrections, for instance, we had a correction in December and the market bounced really big, up, big time back up to the top after a few months. Then we had another decent-sized correction in all the month of May, and now the market's starting to come up. If the market does not exceed the high made in late April, the May 1st time frame, and it fails there, that is a very big kind of red flag that then the market rolls down again, and then you have another bounce up because people think the Fed's going to lower the rate because the economy is looking weak. Anyways, this article that we're reading, this guy, feels like we're setting ourselves up for a bad fall. Now, whether he's right or wrong, you know, someone's going to be right because everybody guesses about different things. What I tend to tell you is you got to stay with the market as long as the market looks strong. It doesn't hurt to rebalance, take some money, put some money on the sidelines, and wait for a better opportunity. Because I don't know. No one knows. You have all these writers and experts. You know, they all have different opinions. Some of them are diametrically opposed to each other. So don't freak out about anybody. Just be careful. On tomorrow's Invest Talk, exactly how the Department Department of Justice go after the Google, Apple, and other big techs. How are they going to do that? That's tomorrow. 888-99-CHART is our number. This is Invest Talk, and if you live anywhere in Southern California, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein encourage you to make plans to attend KPP Financial's Invest Talk Wealth Conference. It's happening on Saturday, June 22nd in Irvine, California. In today's low yield world, it is difficult to find great income opportunities while still maintaining safety and liquidity. Steve and I can help you. At the conference, Steve and Justin will help you understand the current volatile market and global economic environment. They'll give you a plan to boost income and manage investment risk. And they'll define ways to find great opportunities in any market environment. The Summer Invest Talk Wealth Conference is an investor learning opportunity that you should not miss. I'm Justin Klein. I invite you to attend our next Invest Talk Wealth Conference. Saturday, June 22nd. This is Invest Talk, the KPP Premium Newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Oscar in the Bay Area. How you doing, Oscar? I'm doing great, Steve. Awesome show. Hey, I had a quick Thank question. Thank you. A couple of weeks ago, you had a 
recommended a book, Simple Way to Wealth, by J.L. Collins. Uh-huh. And he's talking about uh, if you're in your wealth-building years, just to keep things simple, keep it all in Vanguard Total Stock Index. Just wanted to hear mm-hmm. your opinion mm-hmm. on that. If that's a sound There's strategy. absolutely... There's, that is a sound strategy, Oscar. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that strategy. You could buy; it's the same strategy. You're buying the whole market, okay? You can buy the S and P 500, which is 80 percent of the market. Vanguard Total Stock Market Index is the whole market. And the reason why that's sound is because over long periods of time, over history, the market has gone up about seven to eight percent. And if you get the, count the dividends all that time, it's closer to 9 to 11% over long periods of time. Now, the, the problem with this, Oscar, is not anything to do with the strategy. That's not the problem. The problem is with people, the investor. The problem is that at times they may need the money and they take it out or take some out. And at times when the market crashes 50%, they panic and take it out. And they don't continue just to put money in over long periods of time. Because there could be years when you don't make any money, Oscar. There could be years in which you lose money and you get disheartened and you don't believe it anymore. And you take the money out right at the wrong time. And that's what, so the problem is not the strategy, it's the people staying with the strategy. And now right now, you know, investing in that strategy, you're investing in a market that's been gone up for a very long time. And people think this is normal, that it's going to continue to do this, and it's not. not. So it's at some point going to give back, give back some of this gain. But I'll tell you this, if you keep investing through that period, Oscar, you'll do very well over 20 years, 30 years, 40, you'll do very well. But it's hard to convince people of that. Okay, Oscar, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. So yeah, I'm, you know, even though I'm a money manager and I, you know, don't just buy index and hold, I I have nothing wrong with the, the strategy is I have problems with people sticking with the strategy. Stick with it. And they don't, I can't even convince my own family to do that. In the last big market crash in 2008, people, my own family pans out as I'm telling them, no, 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 buy more. Nope. I'm losing money. Yeah, okay. Let's go to Michael in Los Angeles. How you doing, Michael? I want to talk about Beyond Meat. How you doing? Yes, sir. Yeah, we. I uh, called you on Friday. Um, so I actually, I shorted the, uh, I shorted Beyond Meat at like 1.30 on the dot, I believe it was. And, uh, so remind uh, people, re- remind people, us, Michael, remind people what we discuss and and what we decided on Friday, what I said, so that they have context. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so pretty much you told me to to let it keep on skyrocketing, um, to not, uh-huh. you know, to which it did, um, and then it, I think you know it got up to what one seventy six, um, <sighs> and uh, okay. so I ended up shorting it again, uh, you know, some more. And then uh, now I'm thinking about, you know, tomorrow or something like that. Do you see, how would you play it out? I, I, sh- I did, I should probably pulled the trigger a little too early on shorting it um, at 1.30, but uh, what do you, what's your thoughts on Beyond Meat? Because I feel like it's a lot, I feel like a lot of people are shorting it, and this is why it's showing this kind of response. There, there is not as much shorting interest as you might think. 
at this point. There, there are people shorting it, but it looks like it has a, a half a day's short, which means it's a 20 million shares are shorted. And yeah, that is quite a bit, even though it's half a day because the volume is so huge. But the shares outstanding are only 32 million. So yeah, there's a number of shares, not many days in volume, but the volume is so huge that there is a lot of short interest on it right now. A half a day mm-hmm. usually normally is not a lot of short interest, but in this case, the volume is so huge, out, so outlandishly large compared to the tumbler shares in the full, float that there is a lot of share, a shorting interest. There might be a short squeeze going on because people have to get out of short. That means they have to buy the stock and the stock will go up if that happens. And of course, the stock was down 25% today. What's your average price? Michael, on your short. Uh, it, Do you know? Uh, I had that again. Uh, no, I don't know right now. Well, find out what your average price is. You want to know what your average price is. Um, and uh, it looks like, to me, I think it's going to fill the gap back down to about $99, $100. I think it's going to go to $100. And if it was me and I was playing the short, meaning I'm for everybody else, I'm explaining this, uh, Michael, Meaning he believes the stock's going to go down, and he can make money if it does. And I think it'll go down, probably retest at least the $100 area, at least. And if it did that, I'd be taking some profits off the table. That's what I would do, Michael. Okay? Good luck with it. Beyond Meat, B-Y-N-D. Does everybody, it's a very new stock. Came out at what? Uh, What was the IPO offering price? Oh, I don't remember but it was right around $40 or $50. And it's been screaming up, okay? And it came out in May, beginning of, beginning of May. It's screaming up every time. Beyond Meat manufactures, markets, and sells plant-based meat products in the United States and international. Okay, <laughs> I love the way this describes. Manufacturing markets, and sells plant-based meat products. Wait a minute. Plant-based meat products. Okay, that, isn't that, well, diametrically opposed, if it's meat, it's meat. If it's plant, it's plant. So how can be plant-based meat? <laughs> but you know what they're doing. They're making plants. It looks like meat, tastes like meat, feels like meat, but it's plant. It's plant. It's not, it's not, it's plant-based. It's not meat. Anyways, very, very high sales growth makes no money. They will make money, they say, for the first time in 2020, $0.07 a share. Is $0.07 a share worth $120? This is a classic growth stock, by the way, because sales growth is growing 100 to 200% per quarter. That's a growth stock. Doesn't have to make profits. Value stocks always make profits. Growth stocks don't have to. They just got to be growing really fast. Okay? I'm Steve Peasley, and you're uh, listening to Invest Talk. So I think it's safe to assume that you're pretty serious about investing and you want to grow your wealth. Everybody does, but you guys that are listening to the show are more serious about it. And that's great. But of course, you know, you have to make investment choices like like Michael did about Beyond Meat, like Oscar did about, you know, uh, Total Stock Market Index by Vanguard. So, but there's always fear, there's always greed that plays a part, always is. And the fear comes in that you got you want to you know when I was talking to Oscar and telling him about people you know, his strategy is great buy the total market buy an index and stay in it forever but fear your risk 
of being able to handle the 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 variable moves of down in the market that, that you need to understand your own personal fear, fear your your personal risk tolerance how much fear can you handle and that's what I'm talking about when I was talking about Oscar about people staying in the market well we have a we have something to measure that to try to measure that it's a it's all math based it's not something we just come up with on the air and these are you know supposedly great you know Nobel prize winning smart people about your risk tolerance and they and you can take this test and it will score you from 0 to 100 and see how much risk you're willing to take. If you score 80, around 80 is the stock market risk. Below that, you want to take less risk in the market. Above that, you'll you know you're okay with more risk, according to this. Then you could then we can take your portfolio and do the same thing. See how much risk that is and score that. So it's riskalyze, and it's just a short questionnaire on our website, investtalk.com. Go ahead and take the test. It's only a few questions. 888-99 chart is our number. A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Wesley in Stockton. How are you doing, Wesley? Doing great, Steve. I hope you're doing well, too. I am. I said I got a cold. I got too many nieces and nephews over for the weekend, and they gave me a cold. So it's great. Yeah, they, those guys are contagion bugs. You know, but my question is: They about are. Uh, okay. Um, I am curious about um, holding as a long-term position. I was curious: uh, What do you think about their debt level? What do you think about their um, P, uh, their dividend? If they like a long, it's going to hold their high percent dividend for a while, at least at least a couple years. And um, I also had a question about selling puts. Um, if there was a dividend event and I happen to have a selling a put, would I have to pay out that dividend? Okay. AT&T, everybody, the symbol of SOC is T, provides, you know, telephone, long distance and network access and wireless services, that kind of thing. Uh, it is more of a value stock, which means that it's not, a high PE is not there. They don't have a high PE. Their high PE, their PE right now is nine. And uh, their earnings are going to be 356, which is 1% higher than last year. And next year is going to be 363, which is 2% higher. So that's a value stock. Low PE, high dividend, 6.4%. Cash flow, they're going to make $3.63 a share next year. But their cash flow is $6.75. And their debt is actually high, but going down. So they've been paying more and more off the debt, which is good. Um, and their sales growth actually is growing, you know, 15% or so because of the recent purchases. So it, I think it's a really good long-term core holding kind of stock. So Wesley, I would not, I would not, uh, I would not worry about that. Now you said you're selling puts. In other words, you're going to put the stock to somebody if it goes down too far? Yeah, because like, I, your... I don't like it at 32, and I'd rather get at a lower price point, so I'm just going to try to wait and maybe get in with a, a put sell. Well, it depends on the the uh, ex-dividend ex date was for uh, April 9th, the last one. So that's when they paid the last dividend. And it depends. If you still own it before, the, before you put it, 
you'll get the dividend if you you know it's it you you have you still own the stock as long as you own it you get that dividend and when they go x whatever that date is the next date uh and the next date is coming up probably in uh, july beginning of july so as long as you own it you'll get the dividend if you put it to somebody they're going to get the dividend uh, the day it goes x on the day it goes x okay Appreciate the call. Thank you. I see Peasley, and of course, you're listening to Invest Talk. And I want to talk to you about what you're doing with your stocks. What are you doing? Are you worried? Are you panicking? Are you pretty comfortable? Are you complacent? Are you complacent? That's really what I want to know. Anyways, hold on a second. I have a cough button now, so if I have to cough, I can hit it. Okay, um, consumer credit for April spiked 5.2%. That was up from March of 3.3%. So that's $13 billion to $17.5 billion or so, something like that. Revolving credit is up 7.9% from a shrinkage. Now, we're talking about revolving credit in April. It was up 7.9%. But in March, it shrunk 2.3%. 2.3%. Why is this important? Remember, our economy is driven by the consumer. And this consumer needs to have a job, which he does, right? We have very low unemployment. And the consumer needs to be spending, meaning using credit cards and other things. So, things are looking still fine, even though the jobs report, you had 75,000 new jobs last Friday for May, which was low, expected 175, 180. We only had what? 75. Very, was it 75 or was it was it 25? I'm getting old. That's why I'm yeah, I'm losing my mind sometimes. Um, but it was weak. The jobs report was weak. But this morning we had job openings were equal to last month, 7 million. We have more openings than we have people looking for jobs. So we're seeing all these cracks, but we're not seeing anything breaking apart in the economy. Just cracks. And those cracks are telling us that we're slowing down. That's all. Those, these numbers telling us we're slowing down. Okay. So we're slowing down. What are we slowing down to? Well, the Fed is keeping an eye out. And that's why people thinking, you see, with this jobs report, which was weak, the Fed, people think, oh, the Fed's going to come in and save us. They'll lower the interest rate. Yay. Well, they may or may not, but they talked that they would. And, of course, President Trump is pressuring them, um, at least in the public eye, to lower them. So we'll see if they actually do lower them. And, frankly, I think they shouldn't have raised the last rate, rate increase. And you heard me on the radio saying I wouldn't do this. And that was in December. Remember they rose the rate? So I wouldn't do this. You know, we got to wait till all the other increases filter through. And, uh, you know, and compared to other economies, and Trump is right, other economies, you know, our rates are pretty high. And we do want them to get to normalization, but we'd like to see a whole world get to normalization. And I don't know if that's in the cards for any time soon. I just don't think it is. So, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a solid economy, just not growing as fast as it was, but with no inflation. Okay. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here that's help you to achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break, so get your questions in while you can. 888 99 chart. 
Steve and Justin are always grateful when you make InvestTalk a part of your daily routine. And their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Nick and Martinez. How you doing, Nick? Hey, how's it going, Steve? Thank you for your show. I'm an avid Good. listener, and I love it. Great. Thank uh, you. My question was, classification, what would you call WDC a value or, or value plus growth? I was just wondering. Okay, that's that. a good question. At this stage, it no longer is a gross stock, Nick. Uh, it used to be used to be huge gross stock in the '90s and early 2000s. It was a great gross stock, but Western Digital is now a big blue chip kind of stock. It makes hard disk, solid state drives for desktop, notebook, computers, enterprise applications. It's an 11 billion dollar company. It makes money, but they're going to earn much less this year than they did last year, and they're going to lose earn a 28%, 23% less next year. So they're going to make $3.73 next year, and it's a $38 stock. So it's about 11 PE. So it's not overvalued. It's not overvalued, but it's no longer a growth stock because sales growth has been shrinking the last three quarters. So it pays a nice dividend, 5.2%, and I think that dividend is pretty secure because cash flow is $18 a share. So it's now a, 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 a big blue chip kind of company. Don't think it's going to re, it's not going to go back to its glory days that it had before. So is it a good okay. price here? Yeah, it's probably a pretty decent price here. You'll, if you're looking for the dividend, it, it's a pretty solid dividend, and it'll probably maintain that. WDC. Yeah, due okay. to the cyclical nature of what they sell, and and uh, it's kind of almost like a commodity sometimes, you know, with the man. Almost, the yes. Ram. So they're never <laughs> because of that, Nick. You you hit it right on the hill, and then they'll right on the head because of that commoditization of hard drives and disk drives and all that stuff. They're not commodities, but they're commoditized, meaning they don't have a lot of power to increase prices. They don't. So it's a big blue chip company that's not going to grow very much. That's it. But it pays a nice dividend. Nick, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Good question. WDC, Western Digital, everybody. I remember when it first came out. I mean, I remember in the 90s. I mean, there was a big growth. I mean, think about it. Disk drives, PCs, they were making everything. Seagate and Western Digital were the two big guys. Good companies. They still are good companies. Don't, don't, you know. Don't think or not. Just don't think of them in the terms of growth anymore. It's like Microsoft. You can't think of that as a growth company anymore. Or Intel. Or Cisco Systems. They're not growth anymore. They're not growth companies. They're too big. Okay? Their heyday is not is no longer there. Who's a big growth company now? Maybe in artificial intelligence. you got to look at the, the meatless company we just talked about, Beyond Meat. Those are growth companies. Yeah. You got to think about that. 888-99 charge our number, guys. Give me a call. Nine-year high in home flipping rate. We're at a nine-year high. 49,000 homes were flipped. You know, when you buy them, you fix them up, and you sell them. That's the flipping rate I'm talking about. Nine-year high. 49,000 of them last quarter. 7.2% of all home sales. So, now, is that 
some, what is that telling us? That's probably telling us that the housing market has peaked. That's what it's telling me. Prices have gone up, right? We know that. By the Case-Shiller home price, we know the houses' prices are high. Okay, well, but you've, we've also noted the growth of the increase in price. That sales price increase growth has slowed way down. So we know that that is now coming. Uh, coming. And if this is a nine-year high, it's probably peaked. And so... If you looked at this flipping rate and you looked at these 49,000 houses, you'll also will see that profit margins are down. Down. So, therefore, it's peaked. So, what does that tell you? Don't be in a big rush to go out and buy a house. That's what it's telling you. doesn't mean the house is going to crash or anything because mortgage rates have fallen sharply, right? But don't think that the price is going to continue up. You might get a better price if you were patient. It's hard to know, but we're late in the economic cycle, everybody. We're very late. It's been a long up economic cycle. How late are we? A year, two years away from a recession? You heard me talk about it. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another program, Invest Talk program, everybody. And I thank you for listening, and thank you for your loyal support and your calls. I do appreciate it. And please come back tomorrow. Justin will be here, by the way, tomorrow. So have a good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.